Welcome to this four-part series, a collaboration between the Learning Future and the Metapraxis Project, run by ASA, the Association of Independent Schools South Australia, in partnership with Michael Bunce, the thought leader and academic. I am, of course, Luca Parry, your host and the host of the Learning Future podcast. In these conversations, you hear from educators that have thought and acted beyond, beyond disciplines to move into the multidimensionality of learning, fusing knowledge, skills, and capabilities so that our young people can thrive into their future. How might we bring agency, cognitive skills, creativity, critical thinking all together and couple them with an awareness for how we might transfer these skills and transcend current boundaries. This is true metadisciplinary work. Thank you for joining us. I'm here with Michael and we have five fantastic practitioners joining us as, as well. So I'd, I'd love us to hear who you are and where you're from. Hi, my name is Graham Duffy. I am from Pembroke School and um, I'm the head of science there. My involvement with the project uh, would come from the fact that I was really interested in interdisciplinary projects working with across different faculties mm. and looking to do project-based learning with the students with obviously science being a major com contributor but really wanting to find meaningful authentic experiences so where the faculties were not so much focused about around their content, but each faculty was contributing in, in a way that was meaningful to them. Mm. So in a skills-based uh, environment, looking at equipping our students with skills for the future, 21st century skills, skills needed for the workforce. Fantastic. Graham, it's great to have you here. Great. And your colleague? Hello, I'm Andrea, also from South Australia Pembroke School, which is an independent school in um, SA. Um, and I came to the project um, through a concern about student well-being at our school and their dependence on teachers mm. um, to um, get um, what they perceive to be outstanding grades. Um, and um, what we noticed was they became, had an over-dependence on the teachers, um, and which um, sort of retarded their, their agency. Mm. And so... Um, their well-being was being impacted and we had a lot of anxious students. So I came from a well-being um, perspective, initially from a counselling role and now from my pastoral care role as a year-level coordinator. Fantastic. Graham, Andrea, great to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm Mel from Trinity College North School, which is out at Gawler in South Australia. I am a head of house and I teach humanities English, geography, history. I came into this project on the back of another project, which was the entrepreneurial program with Yongjia. And after having the skills of learning about a different type of education, the interdisciplinary mm. metapraxis work was just a natural progression to get that authentic learning for the students. Brilliant. Thank you, Mel. It's great to have you here. And your colleague? I'm Jessica Simons. I'm also from Trinity College North and I'm currently the Assistant Head of Maths there. I came, I have a particular interest in digital pedagogy within mathematics and I've been working in several projects looking at virtual reality in mathematics and various technologies and how that can be applied there. So the Metapraxis project has been a really great way of integrating those skills and seeing how students can develop those skills throughout it as well. Fantastic. Thanks Jess and Mel. Great to have you both here. Hello, I'm Catherine Emerson. I'm from St John's Grammar School. We're an ELC to Year 12 independent school set in the Adelaide Hills. And I am a secondary Japanese teacher, but my leadership role is a leader of professional learning and development. 
which requires work across all three campuses. And this gave us an opportunity to really look at our agency program, what we're doing for our students and how we're providing that. And this gave us the opportunity to dive deep and have a look and see what it means and provide our students with the opportunity and our staff with the skills to be able to really implement it across the school. Mm, fantastic. Look forward to delving into that, Catherine, in a moment. Michael, I'm going to hand to you again just to set the scene for us a little bit about mm. Metapraxis. This is our second conversation, of course. Uh, so if you haven't listened to the first one, you, you know, you ought to, because <laughs> it kind of follows on quite well. Uh, but well, give us a sense of the scene for Metapraxis. So in my, in my work at the university, um, I'd done a lot of work to, to look at the way in which we could integrate skills and, and in different contexts, uh, particularly within creative and performing arts, mm. and created interdisciplinary curricula that looked at kind of, you know, you know, using different language to capture the way in which uh, students might uh, learn and, and, and uh, you know, practice their creative, creative arts practice. Mm. And, and so one of the things I did as part of that um, back in 2018 um, was to visit uh, University of Melbourne to share some of that work with their postgrad um, department for Victorian School of Arts and um, came down to um, Adelaide to share some of that work actually at Pembroke School, um, which was yeah. hosting some work um, that that, that, that um, Charles Ledbetter was doing and I was doing to, to kind of explore some of this practice. Um, mm. And so, you know, the, the idea was to showcase what that might look like, you know, explore the idea of disciplines being integrated, mm. teaching being an open uh, sort of exploratory experience and learning being an open exploratory experience um, where students could make connections between potentially quite disparate concepts yeah. and different disparate skill sets disparate ideas so that the, the the idea was well okay so how do you integrate those how do you bring theory and practice together mm -hmm. how do you reflect upon that so that you can make the connections between the, those those perhaps disparate elements coherent mm. so it was a, it was a, you know striving towards coherence in complexity yeah. striving towards you know building skills and developing skills in students that could enable them to leverage skills for different contexts to be able to adapt and explore way, ways of learning that mm. were perhaps non-traditional or not following a kind of linear paradigm yeah but much more sort of non-linear um chaotic rhizomatic whatever you want to think about <laughs> however you want to pattern it but um yeah. so that was that was really the essence of it and mm. that that work turned into a three-year project um, and we're here from three schools now, you know. At the uh, end of the third year. At the end of the third year, yeah. exactly. Fantastic. Well, let's uh, let's delve into this because I, I think what we've heard is this idea of shifting, you know, we, we might say in transdisciplinary project mm. in mm. education, you know, people outside of education probably just say project, mm -hmm. you know, like a work project, life, you know, mm -hmm. the idea that everything is actually integrated in the language of learning and that yeah. we're trying to shift from the, the grammar of schooling as it's sometimes sure. described. Yeah. So, uh I'd love to start with St. John's and you, Catherine, you know, give us a sense of, you know, the narrative, the journey that you've been on, you know, why Metapraxis and what was some of the, what, what was the case that you made at the school? I mean, you spoke about agency as being a real focus. Take us on a bit of a journey of where you've been. I guess uh, our school, as I said, we're set in the hills, but we like to place ourselves locally connected, but also globally. So we sort of have this uh, St John's advantage, which is about allowing our students to um, create those exciting pathways that give them the opportunity to 
um, have a quest for life that allows them to make it better for all. Mm. So it's quite broad. And so how do we fulfil that within our classroom and, and within our external place of our classroom? We had a few projects which were really tapping into agency. And there were a few sort of spread across the school with the work we've done with Yong Zhao, as you mentioned as well. And we really saw the need for these projects to be more than just a one-off project that students were involved sure. with. We started to recognise that these were in fact signature experiences that we'd aligned to a year level. And then we started to see that this was sort of necessary from ELCD Year 12 and we were putting them all in there, but they needed a place. So we looked at, well hang on, it's not about the project, it's actually not about the outcome, it's about the skills. So we developed this innovative agency framework mm. and it outlines a set of skills around the three headings of discover, generate and innovate. And these skills are explicitly taught through the signature experiences as a progression from ELC to Year 12. So we're allowing students to step into the use of those skills and play with them and use them and um, put them into different contexts in all of these different signature experiences. And you know, they step into it and they trial and, and as we you know, surely talk about, they sometimes fail and mm -hmm. have to work that out. And, um, these opportunities allow them to see each of those projects and hopefully make that connection through common language and the framework with common skills that we established. So, and, and that's where we found ourselves with this framework and a set of signature experiences where our students are allowing to try agency, innovation, entrepreneurship, enterprise and, and really have a go. Yeah, I love it. I, and I love the idea of Sometimes the project's a starting point. Of mm. course, it's then how do you drop deeper into experiential design in some ways into mm. the fabric of learning itself, which is the idea of, you know, allowing the emergence of mm. all these different concepts. Uh, we'll love, we're going to come back to that and explore okay. that even more. Sure. Uh, let's, let's go over here to Trinity North. Jess um, and Mel, give us a sense of your journey there in the school across these three years. What's kind of emerged? What's been the steps that you've, you've been through? I think we initially started with conversations with a team in the junior school as well about how we can actually authentically have these connections within our subject areas but within across each other as well so from junior and middle and senior and that journey started developing through a PBL program that was already established within the junior school and we started to reflect upon how that how we could actually utilize that as part of our practice as well and from there we initially started looking at curriculum and how we could break that down and when we had our first meetings with this project we realized our students were completing 50 plus assessments a year and these were wow. year seven students and it was it was a big shock to us and we thought well why why are they doing that what's the relevance of them doing a short quiz or a short assessment how could we make this more authentic and more real life and demonstrate the different skills within our own areas but within each other as well and mm -hmm. so we started having conversations and then we got put onto the Metapractice project as well and so then from there the conversations really developed into how are we going to design an experience for our year seven students that is authentic and has real life implications and encourages the critical thinking skills and is reflective and collaborative and also how we can connect the teachers to each other as well. Mm. I think one of our big key items and important factors of our project is the networking of our staff and how having those different connections has actually improved 
teacher PD within each other and teacher collaboration and having time to do that and think that has been a really great reflective practice for us as teachers as well within the project. And I think just to add to that because we are part of the largest school in the uh, Southern Hemisphere because our school has five separate schools that then come together so part of that is working in the silos of, in the middle school especially, of the domains of maths, English, science, etc. and being able to break those down so we were able to have some of that cross-curricular, authentic, skill-based learning because mm. to have the English skills that they need, they also need those in science and they need them in maths and they need them in geography, they also need them in art, so being able to communicate was something that we looked at as well and our, the college um, in the senior school were looking at graduate qualities so which are now coming into learning disposition so what are those skills or what have been known as softer skills that <laughs> students are need to possess to be successful in this ever-changing future mm. that we're heading into so yeah different way of learning that's great, Mel and Jess. Thank you so much for setting the scene and really talking to some of the design principles as well mm. of the idea of it needing to be a networked approach. This, this is not about individuals going off and doing it. It's about how do we learn from each other as part of that. It's fantastic. Uh, let's go to Pembroke. Uh, Andrea Graham, give us a sense again of what's been the journey for you, what have been some of the principles that might have underpinned it so far? Um, our starting point was quite a different experience to what has been described in, in this session. Um, it was pretty much... Um, um, I mentioned in my previous role from a counselling perspective, I was seeing a lot of students in my counselling room who were um, very anxious mm. and um, you know quite depressed and, and quite bleak about their future. And one of the things wow. that was sitting underneath that was um, their fear of failure. And um, so coming through the middle school in, uh, at Pembroke, um, there was also a growing uh, awareness that students were becoming very dependent on their teachers to scaffold their work so that they would succeed. Um, and they were uh, doing many, many drafts and there was this sort of um, fear of, of failure. Yeah. And the principal uh, at our school had a sabbatical and uh, he went off and, and reflected on, on what was going and he came back and said, we can do a lot more. One of the things about our school that's really significant is that uh, we're a highly academic school and um, a lot of our enrolments are based on the, um, the assumption that we can and get very high academic results. And so the parents are really happy with the product. Mm -hmm. And so there was this tension between um, having lots of anxious students who wanted to fulfil that their own desire of academic success and their let's say their parents, but were scared to explore. They were scared to be curious. Mm. They were scared to fail. And so we set ourselves up to have this kind of tension there. And I noticed this in the counselling room. And at the same time, I was working with ASA on a student agency project. And, and um, that's when I first was introduced to these concepts uh, around increasing student agency. And then I was introduced to Michael Bunce, and he came and did some work in, at our school. And it got me thinking about, wow, you know, agency is something that these students perhaps don't have a lot of in our school because we... Um, like many other schools, perhaps not so many, but our school is very much 
um, run by a timetable that's in, in disciplines, in silos. You go to maths, you go to science, and students weren't necessarily making any connections between their disciplines. Um, and this was um, evident when they perhaps got to maybe year 11 or 12 when they did, say, the research project yeah. or the theory of knowledge in the IB. And they um, um, were shocked when they were asked to look at the same questions through different lenses. And they were like, oh, I get interdisciplinary. But I think we were doing our students a bit of a disservice. Mm. So that's how it started and hence yeah. um, Pembroke's application. And we put that forward to the principal and we, um, we balanced it up with justification uh, from Ledbetter's work, the 2030 paper, mm -hmm. OECD, OECD paper. We yeah. talked with Michael Bunks and we talked about um, Yong Zhao's work. Some of our other colleagues have been involved in that. Um, and um, it would be fair to say that the, the, they, were, they were supportive but sceptical and hence began our journey from there. So we didn't really have a group of um, like-minded individuals who worked as a team. It became um, a, from a very small seed of mm. um, perhaps joining some dots and then thinking perhaps what can we do from here to increase the well-being of our students and of course it's become so much more since then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's the exciting part. It has perhaps unfolded um, for the team and I, I think Graham's been a huge part of that team. It's been a growing um, experience of, wow, there's so many more things that we can achieve here, including mm. all of those enterprising things of, and their graduate qualities and, and we can, we've seen it connected with career de modern theory career development theory yeah. Yeah. Um, and also about when our students leave um, our school that they are equipped to be able to navigate their pathways as you mentioned um, in this uncertain paradigm yeah yeah that's fantastic journey Graham what, what do you want to add to that yeah I'll, because it's interesting listening to Andrea because we we came from different places within the school and we've sort of drawn together through uh, a system within our school where we have professional learning forums and I think it was the interdisciplinary connection that sort of drew us together and then so we had this similar idea of what we thought we might want to be doing and then with the opportunity of being involved with Metapraxis we sort of we gravitated towards that mm. and um, for me it was it was very much that it was the, the idea of pursuing interdisciplinary projects, but in a, in a way that... So projects I've been involved in the past were just an interdisciplinary project was, okay, we'll do a project where you do some maths, some science, and some tech. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it was... And sometimes it would just be the tech teacher designing it, and then they're, oh, well, this is an interdisciplinary project because we've got maths, science, and tech. But it wasn't authentic, it wasn't genuine, and, and, and it wasn't like that's actually what we really want from a science perspective. Mm -hmm. And we connected through this a new building that we had built on uh, on campus, which has an art, a science, and a, a tech level, and and we tried to do some projects there, and we we got some some good work done. Mm. But through this, now we've got art, we've got music, drama, science, languages working together on a project. But 
we you wouldn't recognize it as being a project that is involved with those specific subjects yeah it's great if you very quickly realize that the pathway wasn't about the correct the, the sort of the hard curriculum it was more about the skills mm. that, that each of those subjects demand yeah. and equipping students with those skills and so as we sort of refined our scope and we drew it down to something that could be manageable we saw a lot more, I suppose, agreement to what we were, what we were all looking mm. for. And we kind of feel that we're on a path where we are all getting what we're, what we're looking for. Andrew, with that well-being perspective, myself and, and other heads of department with an with a, with a academic perspective as well. Yeah, the kind of the connection. I mean, I, I think there's something mm. very interesting there as well, Graham, about the language. You know, even when you described, you know, this is kind of all these subjects working together, but it's almost like we need to go beyond the disciplinary language, you're kind of getting yeah. stuck in trying to describe it because yeah. it's like you need a new vocabulary. Yeah. Michael, we've just heard from three schools, different journeys, mm -hmm. you know, same project. What do you want to reflect on? Well, I, th I mean, I think feeding off what, what, what Graham and, and you've just spoken about there, that, it, that, that there is a kind of post-disciplinary concept, not only in the language, but, mm -hmm. but in, in what Graham's describing. And I think mm -hmm. that's also true in, a, in other schools as well, that, that actually, rather than thinking about the discipline as the unit mm -hmm. you go at least one level down to the skills mm. and then if you can think about a kind of and we talked about this as a meta space right so the meta space is is essentially virtual or distributed or it's a project or you know the meta space is any kind of container yeah. for any number of skills that you could then think about applying in a in a, in a particular context um and that that's that's that then becomes the focus. So you've got yeah. this this focus on the skill, but not with any kind of predetermined idea about what value it has, because it sits within a discipline. Yeah. And and so we were looking at well, hypothesis-driven approaches to, to you know to, to, to learning, mm. versus creative um, kind of uh, exploratory processes or experimental processes, looking at you know the processes of learning that are inherent within each discipline, but then mm. actually saying well, okay, well we could kind of take those out of the disciplines and reintegrate them in new ways to find new connections that I think, you know, as Graham points to is, is potentially more authentic mm. because it's, it, it, it values the skill for what it's worth in that context rather than what it inherits yeah. from, from the discipline. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah, so, so this, that whole idea of integration yeah. and when I say whole, I, you know, then, then, then the concept of holistic learning is is that UK? So so, so if the, we're disintegrating those skills from those disciplines, then then it then as I sort of mentioned in the last podcast, you know, the learner becomes the domain yeah. of disciplinary skills and, and and knowledge and and so on. So that that intersection as well with agency um, has been really important. So who controls the learning process mm. and who holds the knowledge or skill base? If you look at those two parameters, you can. You know, you can really explore this continuum of what we might think of as personalised learning, or you know, students self-directing their learning, and I, and so to then you know loop back to to schools, that is absolutely evident. Like in the work that that um, is presented by schools here, but also yeah. in, in at the end of the project, you know, schools have done sort of showcases of their work, and you know, you can really see that students are at the fore. Yeah, and their experience is what's being communicated. So. That's great, Michael. Mm. Um, Catherine, I want to go to you. Let's double click on this idea of process mm. a bit. I think because you know, I think what we end up seeing are products often, right? Um, which is, oh, here's the the unit, or here's the 
event that we've designed or here's the building that we've designed you know and so how take us into this this idea of process particularly because after the first year of this work you know there was a moment in time when you created a product which was a poster which is meant to you know hmm. crystallize some of the thinking and then really just take us into a deeper level of how it's kind of worked through um, from that point in time our poster featured a bridge and this was sort of this bridging idea that I think we've grappled over for, you know, ages, what yeah. kind of bridge, what does this look like? And um, the bridge became the framework, I guess, that linked um, through the skills. And mm. that's where we found that coming together. And I think we had, like I said, some of these signature experiences. But when we added the skills framework to it, it really deepened the opportunity for outcomes for students. And it created... Um, an opportunity with common language yeah. so that students could recognise the building of their skills, this transfer of skills and being able to see that the work done in year six in the junior school when you come to year seven on the secondary campus, that mm. it continues, you're building those skills and there's opportunity for that. So the well-placed few experiences that were within the school became enhanced and we needed to get staff on board to be able to be also upskilled in this area. Mm. So there was um, professional learning opportunities. We chose whole school professional learning days. Um, staff played with this as well. They had the opportunity to um, pull apart the skills that we put out there and they wrote stuff in, on there and changed things and yeah. edited and they were part of this process. They wrote it with us. So we brought it to them for editing and for conversation and discussion and um, this is where we really un unpacked and saw in different areas of the school where, mm. where things were happening. Mm. But we didn't want it to sit just with these signature experiences as well. So there sure. are opportunities there, but we really wanted it to provide opportunity for uh, all classes to look at the projects that they were doing and provide this layer of skills and connect to it and, and not just see that it was for a project for metapraxis that yeah, we were doing sure. for, for, you know, something that was a, a project, but mm. we became... Um, the users, the teachers became the users of the framework as well. Yeah. So as we were writing it, we had to discover, we had to problem seek and pose questions. And we had to engage and connect and we had to set our learning intent to success criteria and we needed to generate and synthesise and generate solutions and refine things and um, put out prototype. We became the users of our own framework, mm -hmm. which for teachers, for us, was also really interesting. And we constantly found ourselves coming back to that as like the students, we were trying to give it a place in the school and the whole school, ELC to year 12, mm. um, getting people on board, placing their signature experiences, maintaining their ability to evolve and, yeah. to, and to have a place, but also seeing it seep into our curriculum and our teaching and our teachers' vocabulary. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, there are some things I want to double click on that. That's great. That's really great, Catherine. Um, let's go to Trinity North, Mel, Jess. Again, some of this idea around, I really want to hear more about the network aspect because I think Catherine's taken us a bit down this idea of this is not just about student agency. It's, it's about all human beings kind of understanding our role in, in creating the conditions for learning to occur powerfully. And part of that is the network idea. Um, take us a little bit deeper into that 
that space as well. What's shifted in terms of the culture of the school because of this, this approach? I think having these connections that we formed between the faculties that may not have originally have actually had a lot of interaction with each other, me from a mathematics point of view and Mel from a humanities point of view, didn't really have much cross-curricular or connection initially before this project because our faculties were in silos, we were quite separated and even geographically isolated within the college as well. So I was in my own area with some other mathematics people and we didn't get a lot of that cross-connection stuff. And so having this project really enabled us to really break down every part of the Year 7 curriculum. So I know way too much about every (laughs) point of the Year 7 curriculum now because it, for my own professional development, I had to learn and break down all aspects of the six or seven subjects that we have connected with in this project. And having that mutual exchange of information between the different staff members really helped our own professional development and the development and learning from each other particularly during COVID times as well, that was a really big strength of ours, being able to bounce ideas off each other and upskill each other in things like digital technologies and um, how we could implement different types of activities when we were in such harsh conditions. And I think having that really enriched our unit plans and our own teaching practice, um, having that extra extra level of pedagogy and knowledge behind that, I think was a really big strength of our project. And I think our initial, where we initially started from was we had um, a teachers who were competent or experts in their, their siloed fields for, for lack of a better term, sure. where we all came together, we pulled apart the whole curriculum, the whole Year 7 curriculum, and we re-pieced it back together bit by bit. and just as a, the team of teachers who were in the room at the time, seeing that cross connection, mm. that interdisciplinary, where we were, we were able to authentically say, this actually fits in here and there. And then having those conversations with our colleagues in our own faculty area saying, you know, did you realise that we could be connecting with art and science mm. and digital technologies here and it could work really well with um, history and mathematics where we could bring connections in there as well so from that network of the te- original team who pulled it apart to then go back to the faculties to have that conversation then as a team of metapraxis teachers who came in because the original pull apart team wasn't the same team that ended up teaching the content that we had. So then we had to upskill those colleagues and teachers as well to then go out and come back and troubleshoot and reflect and the whole cycle of starting over again and again and, you know, working together to be able to come back and say, actually, this worked really well, this didn't work so well, how can we then move that around and change that assessment or, you know, the students pick that up really quickly, you know, how can we then run with that? So our, our base was to explicitly teach the skills that they needed to then transfer into the different um, domains. Different domains. Yeah. And building upon that, um, part of my own personal postgraduate study, I looked at the network analysis of our Metapraxis team um, at the, from an initial point of view to where we are now. And 
So from the idea, I did a full network analysis on it, and over the period of time, our network grew yeah, from our original right. team and then expanded because of the unique context of our college as well. We were able to connect with other campuses and other schools in our network. But the strength of our connections also improved over the time. And so we had all these other nodes brought into it, but as I mentioned before, the, the, the nodes between Mel and I um, improved quite a lot and we were able to have that exchange. And with the new people coming in, we had all these expertise and these other other points of view coming into it, which really expanded our own project there. And what we found was that the quality and frequency of this collaboration um, influenced the degrees to which teens can change to other teachers' practice. Yeah, and right. so we found that as from it, from the three years that we have gone through this project, we started with our smaller team, but on a wider scale with the rest of the school other practice began to change and we noticed that there were conversations that we we heard about from other other schools in our network that have started to build upon our work and started to make those connections and ultimately it's to improve student learning and student engagement and we could see that through our collaboration and through our team teaching and now Mel and I have a classroom, a collaborative classroom right next to each other where we have that environmental connection of the node as well, which yeah. strengthened it even more. So having that teacher collaboration, I think has been a real big benefit to our our school's culture as a whole. And just to, sorry, just to no, go ahead, Mel, yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah, as yeah. we're on a little tangent here, yeah, cool. I think um, our, the way that we approached the metapraxis was a little bit different to some other schools as well because it was more teacher driven than leadership driven so it started with at the teacher level at the grassroots level we sort of built it up whereas some schools have started with leadership and spreading out and then it filtering down or filtering down or working together as as teams whereas we were sort mm. of on the ground and mm. I love it. Yeah, and and doing network analysis as well to make out how things are going. Jess, I mean, very at home in the mathematics space, I'm sure. Um, And yet I'm really taken, I think, and I'd love as we move um, as well to Pembroke, this idea, Michael, that, Mm. you know, we actually have this beautiful line from a friend of mine, Ashanti Branch. She says, you know, we, we always need to care more about the subjects who we teach than the subjects that we teach. And there's something about this shift from us saying, well, actually... I'm not a, a, just a maths teacher. I'm an educator that creates an experience and I have an expertise in mathematics. And that very subtle reframe, I think, mm-hmm. is really interesting about who we choose to be as we try to move beyond into the post-disciplinary space, yeah. maybe as you'd say. No, absolutely. I mean, it's, without hearing from Pembroke, it might be too early to conclude, but <laughs> but the... Definitely the, too early. To yeah, <laughs> Go ahead, yeah, yeah. No, no, exactly. <laughs> but it's you, already we hear... This kind of modelling process. I was really yeah. struck by hearing Catherine talk about using their own framework at St John's, and that that you're, so you're modelling the learning mm. that you were expecting to set the conditions for in your learners. And we hear the same then in the in the way that uh, you know network analysis and anecdotes around how collaboration happens at Trinity yeah. North. That that actually that the, there's a learn there's a there's a distribution of learning capability. That, that's shared across the culture mm. um, because the focus is not so much on the product and the content, yeah. uh, start point, end point, whatever, however you want to see it, you know, but much more on, on, on the process, yeah. the, the lived experience of, of learning. Yeah, it's fantastic. Mm. 
All right, Pembro, let's go to you. And Andrea Graham, again, let's just take us into a level deeper into where you've gotten to now. Like, what's been the breakthrough for you in terms of the interdisciplinary kind of uh, movement might be the right word, frankly, for you there at Pembro. So in the second year of the project, when COVID hit, um, our model was decimated because we had um, huge amounts of students doing the Meta Project, Meta Praxis project, yeah. all at the same time, and uh, with social distancing and mm. all that, we we couldn't simply uh, do the model, and the establishment wasn't able to. Um, um, cater for our demands at that time and so what that enabled us to do was to pause and reflect and um, we came up with the idea of presenting to academic management because at this time there was you know five or half a dozen of us who were like-minded and had a had a pretty good vision yeah um, but we were we had some barriers around timetabling and the fact that the awareness in the school simply wasn't there, mm. um, apart from some members of senior management and maybe, you know, a few people here and there who had heard, you know, some, some good things about mm. what we were doing. So we thought, how can we pursue this to make this more a, um, known to the community and that this work is very important? So um, my colleague and I put together a presentation at Academic Management and um, Essentially, it was pretty much a pitch, um, and then um, it in incited some enthusiasm and some interest from other heads of department mm. who sat on that committee. And you know, um, on face value, they all say, "Oh yes, yes, we, we would love to do this. This sounds really good. You know, this sounds lovely and wholesome." <laughs> and so, um, it took um, a lot of um, substantiated. Um, presentations through work from Michael Bunce, from Ledbetter, from Yong Zhao, mm. and we simply put together almost like an academic paper to support why we should have this in the school. Okay. Um, and so at the time it felt that we were up against it because we didn't know what potentially the outcome would be, but we thought we'd be, give it a go. And in hindsight that was really um, a blessing in disguise because what it forced us to do was to really think about what were we trying to achieve here. Yeah. And initially, Graham mentioned that we had, um, you know, a, a bit of drama, a bit of music, a bit of art, a bit of languages. But what we really realised was that, in fact, we weren't trying to teach the discipline, we were trying to teach the capabilities. Yeah, and that was right. a real pivotal moment for us. And so, um, really, 2020 was about trying to really get in our own head about what we wanted to achieve and what would be best for our school in our context, given that... We are very disciplined um, and siloed in our approach. Um, and so it was through this um, canvassing, if you like, um, to um, the upper management and the senior management mm. to really get a grip hold and then convince them to give us another go in 2021. Right. Um, so we have run two pilots this year um, and... Um, successfully so and we've come uh, we've got a scope and sequence mm. we have students who have um, presented their ideas about how to change the world or how to make it a better place um, and and I'm happy to say that some of their ideas have now gone beyond the meta space they've gone to um, students stepping up and um, 
demanding to be heard, and they've made appointments with you know senior exec executive, and now they're trying to make a change in our school. Mm. And um, this is just such a, a joy for me to see um, the fruits of this. And I yeah. think um, what it did highlight to me was that in the process of being a change agent, that one sometimes when there's maybe a barrier. It, it forces you to be um, work out what is really fundamental and what is really required, and then we re we regrouped mm -hmm. and we really went hard and fast and pitched, and now we're actually in um, being given a space in the timetable wow. um, to uh, run uh, Metapraxis in Year Seven for all Year Sevens. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a big thing in a school to get space in the timetable, you know, it's, like it's, it's now seen as part of the core. Yeah. Graham, what, what do you want to add to that wonderful? I think the, the trick at a school like Pembroke, which by, by so many measures is a highly successful school and we're very good at what we do well. And to try and massage and change structures and cultures it, it, it's very difficult because not only is, is the school, um, it, it's on a trajectory which is well established and um, and well supported, but it's 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 a big school, and so therefore yeah. to, to to bring about any kind of of, of significant changes, it, it needs to be done, I suppose, in, in small bite-sized pieces. And where we I think where we were successful is is running pilot programs. Mm. So we tried iterations of the project and um, and uh, you know I think every iteration in itself had had its successes but what it did also allow us to do was to refine and to, to, to really focus on, on the direction that we wanted to take which with the pitches then gave that those pitches a lot more um, substance mm. and we, we had within the academic management there was there, most people were pretty keen to see something happen, but they wanted to see something that they could, uh, they could sort of refer to a, a model, a, a, a prototype, mm. and so that's what that's what we've done. And then this year, as, as Andrea said, there was a, there was a gap on the timetable which dovetailed in really well with what we were wanting to do. It was it was a, a subject was previously badged critical thinking, um, which fitted in perfectly with what we were doing because we already established that we wanted to focus on the capabilities of. Um, creative and critical thinking and personal social capabilities. Okay. So it, it worked in perfectly with what we wanted to do. And I think that's another thing, is being flexible enough to, um, to take advantage of opportunities that present themselves. And timetable was always going to be a constraint of ours. So when we were ready and we had, had a practice model, we could jump at, a, at an opportunity which was a line on the timetable for year sevens. And it wasn't that hard to get across the line in the end. And now we're both teaching it as one of our courses next year. That's fantastic. Mm. Michael, what do you want to add to all this? It's all fabulous. All fabulous. <laughs> so good to hear. <laughs> um, I think, you know, one of the things that's really clear um, to me certainly is the depth with which each school here and other schools, you know, Metapraxis, yeah. have, have thought about and considered the work really deeply uh, reflected on their own practice, reflected on the nature of knowledge and skills mm. to, to, to kind of um, not so much disintegrate, but kind of disaggregate them, take them apart, find out what they're made of so that they can then mm. apply them in a way that that's meaningful. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's really powerful to hear from each 
school and particularly Trinity North and, and, and Pembroke, how part of that work has been about almost using learning, <laughs> that deep knowledge um, to change culture. Mm. And to and to you know to work through and that's that's either not necessarily culture as a barrier but but just yeah. to to think about the cultural experience of of how to share that learning because you know really I suppose what that what that does is it is it says well this this learning organisation you know you slice it through the middle and you'll see the same kind of patterns of learning at each at each tier of it um, and and I think that's. That as a model, that mm. kind of idea that, that there's a kind of learning paradigm, there's a learning kind of prototype mm. in the way that we that we learn, and that pattern we can replicate, we can we can spread, we can disseminate, and um, mm. that's so powerful to hear. Then with those, the outcomes, the impact of that work, you know, and all all schools have spoken about that. You yeah, know, very robust agency framework at yeah. St John's. That's 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 a, that's a learning tool for. Teachers, leaders, students, and learners, uh, yeah. in the same way. Similarly with Trinity North, the network analysis. And I know you've presented that to me before. Is you know, just it's very clear that there's a learning culture mm. that is a learning organisation that holds that learning culture. And, um, and and Pembroke, yeah, just fantastic to see how you know you've you've taken the essence of what Pembroke is and transformed it to. So it can be re, yeah. re reconsidered as something new, you know, where you've integrated interdisciplinary learning concepts, um, which speak to the development of creativity, cap mm. critical thinking, personal social capabilities, collaboration, um, communication. You know, all of these sort of what we think of as complex capabilities, um, you know, in all schools have been yeah. we taken apart to a degree, so we can find the components and see what's useful and relevant, and then reapplying them you know in those in those projects it's fantastic that's fantastic mark i mean there's so much that resonates here with some of our conversations with charlie Ledbeater as yeah. well you know the idea of finding new patterns mm -hmm. you know the idea of philosophy and practice and product mm -hmm. the idea of radical traditionalism yeah you know the idea of you know you don't want to lose the essence of who you are as a learning organization mm. and yet to stay you know in stasis mm -hmm. is the most dangerous thing there is right now in the mm -hmm. shifting world around us yeah. Um, no, I just, I'm just so yeah. taken by this line about it's not about finding the skills in the subjects. Mm -hmm. It's about finding the capabilities and then building from that place. You know, as opposed Definitely. to knowledge, skill, capability, yeah. real world application. Yeah. You know, yeah. instead of going that way, start with real world application and come from that place instead. Definitely. So it's, it's and it might be chaotic, but mm. you know, but what's important is finding the edge. Because yeah. if you find the edge, you you know, on that periphery is where the exciting stuff happens. Yeah. If you stay in the middle in <laughs> well, the it's discipline, safer. then it's, it's safer. It's <laughs> a risky, but not as much as not. of a journey. Um, yeah. That's fantastic insights, mm -hmm. Michael. I want to go to the schools just for like a final close out here. Um, Catherine, with you at St. John's, I'd love for you to just, you know, where, where are you right now? What do you feel has been embedded in terms of the learning culture? And what do you see as kind of, the thing that may emerge as you continue this journey, right? And of which, frankly, there is no end point, which is the <laughs> most exciting thing about working in school. You know, what, what do you want to reflect on? I think there's two points moving forward. Um, one is around this space for the students to take it, that next step to take it into the world. And we're connecting with industry and we've connected with Flinders University through the New Ventures Institute and providing opportunity for students who have Follow this discover, generate, innovate to this empower stage where maybe they do have a product or, not, or a concept or an idea and 
we don't want it to be incidental that they could make this happen. And we don't want it to be because of parent connection or something. We want it to be because of really solid process that's supported by experts. And as teachers, we sometimes don't have those expertise, or we don't have those expertise in that skill. So we've really started to incorporate that concept with students having pitch training and connecting through business. and. Uh, our Year 7 signature experience is called Best Business Inquiry Solutions Team and we connected with 21 businesses in the local area where students went out and they found out what was wrong with the business and solved their problem and you know, Year 7... Great example. ...do that but what's the next step from that and how can we empower them to take that further? So us connecting with industry, connecting with universities, setting up those links and allowing our students to step into that space mm. and setting up a space at school as well. We have the um, a flight fund. Everything's rolling around the eagle where St. John's yeah. is learning to soar. Okay, great, yeah. <laughs> Good metaphor, yeah. <laughs> industry that are providing opportunities for our students to tap into finances to get it set up. Mm -hmm. We have an aerospace lab starting next year where students can tinker and play and be supported that leads to the New Ventures Institute. So that's not the pathway for everyone. Mm. This is for the students that want that opportunity, but we really need to provide it. And the other space, I guess, is this is this tracking of um, skills. So we've got all these skills, we're putting them in place, we've got the signature experiences, teachers are using the common language, these signature experiences are embedded in the system. Mm. Um, but we want to see what is this what's the importance of, of tracking and Michael we talked about mm. this I was like tracking uh, assessment what is it but tracking for transfer that was mm. that's nice I came up with it, the idea that we're not tracking for a, for an outcome or a product we're mm. tracking for the ability to transfer mm -hmm. skills to then apply to be able to put into play and you know my question is around our future space and where are we heading and and what kind of place of you know is the ATAR going to be the way that we assess or is this the start of tracking these skills and being able to see, you know, Michael, I've talked about my vision of the yep. web. <laughs> I mean, you need it. You need to see it. To mm. and you're linking on things and the students' skills are, are pictured in this web where they can make the links, they make the connections, they tell the story, yeah. they've got the common language, the agents of their own learning. Yeah. And they can find their pathway that can be fulfilling for them, for their well-being but also make the world a better place, like we said. I mean, maybe that's a grand dream, but it's, you know, this is why I think that we're here. Like yeah. I said, it's not about me just teaching Japanese and, you know, all that. That's great. It's a fantastic subject. It's really about providing these opportunities for students. Yeah. So we're moving to that next level of how can we take them there and provide that opportunity? Mm -hmm. And then what is, this, what is this transfer and tracking and how can we make it happen? And where is that going to be valued? And, mm. and is this a pathway that we are actually setting our students up for that will mm. be bigger than just our school? Mm. And hopefully it will be. Gee, that's yeah. fantastic. Some yeah. principles there that just really resonate, I think, Catherine. You know, the idea of moving from learning institution to learning ecosystem, mm. like mapping that into the employment locally ecosystem. Yeah, tracking to transfer is such, such a powerful way. Yeah, is it about the academics? Or is it a, you know, is it either or are we both and, you know, how, again, it's about going beyond the trans, mm -hmm. transcendence in some ways mm. um, to mastery transcripts, learner profiles. You know, there's lots and lots of interesting work. That's wonderful. Thank you for taking us on that journey. Thank you very much. All right. Jess, Mel, 
give us a sense. What, what do you think, you know, what's been a success for you? What do you think something that's become embedded now? And again, as Catherine's taken us through, what's emergent? What do you think is kind of on the horizon for you? I actually think it's really interesting that Catherine's been talking about tracking for transfer because um, recently in my final work for this meta practice, I've been looking at micro-credentialing and how we can actually track students from early years all the way up until they finish year 11 and 12 and beyond and how we can see their progression through these different skills throughout their time. And so I've been writing a proposal and a framework of micro-credentialing that looks at the students' contexts and cultures and their own communities and how they can actually provide their own evidence and their own narration of their journey. And so that's been a big emergence for our project is having the students tell the story of, of them and their learning and where they're progressing so far. And so through the micro-credentialing, we're looking very strongly at students picking their pathways. And this has been a way that we're starting to look at having rubric design and other ways that students can actually provide evidence of this is where I'm going, this is how I demonstrate these skills. And this is not just in an educational, the, the disciplinary yeah. side of it. We're looking at the wellbeing side. So students will get credentialing through community service and co-curricular and other places through there. So we're looking at the holistic approach mm. in that micro-credentialing and having that narration throughout, we think is really powerful for the students mm. to see how they've developed over time. And the meta practice really has been the stepping stone for that and how we can actually improve upon and how, how students can find those skills and emerge that. And we've been working, look, looking at our industry partners as well and how we can have graduate qualities that students can map and students can achieve that then go towards SACE or an ATAR or yeah. to, to in, in industry partners mm. and what in our local area that we can do as well because we are semi-rural semi so we've been looking at our community connections throughout there as well. So it's been a really powerful stepping stone to mapping how we can actually show and demonstrate student skills along the way. And I think where we where we're emerging too, because we've you know two years in the year seven space, yeah. so we've tracked the year sevens from last year up into year eight. And um, Jess has spoken previously about the junior school are doing a PBL type of learning as well. So having those students come up with some of the skills and the language, so we're moving into trying to get that language embedded for the students for the staff to then move it out into mm. the higher year levels and then seeing how they then utilize those skills when it comes to getting into year 11, year 12, how are they doing that research project? Does that then constitute their learning higher than what it would have been before? Showing yeah, that correct. depth of, of um, being able to research and have the scope of empathy and using the critical thinking skills how they work in collaboratively with other people. So we had a big, um, our big focus was on collaboration and building those teamwork skills and not just with the students they were working with, but as a year level, how did they come together? How did they then break out? And some of the reflections the students had on that was quite, quite impactful mm. as well. You know, a lot of them had said, you know, I, I struggled with working in groups or I didn't like working in groups and sure. we in our um, 
in our wellness space, we, we look at um, character strengths as well. Right. So they were able to identify where they use some of those to then move mm. forward in that space of collaboration and creativity. And mm. So I feel like we're just at the start of the journey, even though we're already <laughs> years in. Yeah. So every, we, every, you know, yeah. I love the fact that this doesn't end, that we have this progression and we're able to... Yeah. to see as far as we can but then there's still another whole world in front of us again to be able to to work with that so as a college um obviously that then brings in a different constraint for us because we're so big and the five schools and being able to to have a model that works for each different site itself with the the cultures and the Mm the different skills of the students to be able to balance that well is again something that's that we're great. moving towards and you know I've, I'm excited about the possibilities yeah. of mm. where we can go. So. That's fantastic Mel and Jess oh, and I just think about you know in some ways the journey the journey is what I'm taking away yeah. from what you've shared you know the the learning journey and how do we how do we equip every human being including ourselves to kind of understand our learning journey, to be able to share that with others. Mm. I mean, it taps into the idea of new credentials, micro-credentials, you know, this idea of how do we create the narrative for our own lives of learning? Because mm. that's what our lives will be from here on out. There is no end point mm. until we're no longer here, but, you know, but that's, uh, that's another conversation. Thank you very much <laughs> for sharing. Um, Pembroke, Andrea Graham, give us a sense. What you feel has in, become embedded now, clearly being in the timetable is like a big kind of fist pump. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a big thing. It really is a big thing. And so, so where, where you're embedded so far and what do you think might be you know, the next emergence? Um, so I think um, the, we, we have discussed the idea of um, fist pumping again <laughs> and trying to embed um, in the middle school particularly leading um, through year eight, nine and ten, mm. and having a presence in the timetable where in, um, Metapraxis can be a part of the, um, each student's experience at every iteration of their maturity through middle school into the senior school. Mm. And one of the things that I picked up from Melanie was this idea and the narrative is also um, something that um, is probably the next focus for the project in that we would like to set up some kind of digital portfolio um, for each student to track their development in those capabilities and, and those transferable skills and yeah. to assess their graduate qualities so that when they do get to somewhere like year 11 that will inform their, maybe their subject selections yeah. or maybe their research project or whatever it might be so that they can build that capacity. So, and I do hope sincerely that the ATAR does fade a little, um, and that, because the emphasis on that is is a major driving force mm. in our school for students to make ridiculous <laughs> where, um, selections around um, yeah. uh, subjects that they that are not necessary, um, and perhaps ill-conceived and sometimes driven by a desperation to achieve this you know um, this pathway that they think is quite a linear process and for me it would be about opening up that getting the shackles away and opening up opportunity yes that pathway might be something that is um, considered for you but look at all these other opportunities and what might you discover about yourself your life and your learning um, notwithstanding 
building relationships and networks with others and um, I think that will enhance their well-being as well. So mm -hmm. I think the digital portfolio, uh, recording their, their narrative and also embedding um, throughout the middle school to make connections into the senior school. Mm -hmm. And my hope is that when a student comes into my room, they'll be more hopeful when they're anxious. Yeah. Oh, and this, Graham, what do you want to add? That's fantastic, mm -hmm. some things there, yeah. No, it's, I think from my perspective, when, when, I, when we, you embark on things like that, you sometimes you step back and you look, you look at what you've got and I don't think there was ever any question that what a student's education at Pembroke is an excellent education. I have absolute confidence that what we do at Pembroke is, is, is brilliant in so many ways, particularly within our subjects and, and, the, and what, what a student gets is amazing. But as you said, you, you can't just sit in your, sit in your laurels. You've got to keep reimagining, reinventing, looking at different um, ways in which you can improve their experience and, and probably equip them better for, for the future. And, and, and in Andrea's role, she gets, she gets this insight into to some of the stresses that, um, that schools can, can produce in students. And from my perspective, that frustration of, are we genuinely meeting the, the demands that, that, that these um, students will face when they, when they leave school? And, um, and I just think that, that by doing a project like this and coming with a focus, we, we, are, we are attending to those, um, working on their, the well-being of the students, their ability to, um, I suppose, encouraging greater agency within the students, risk-taking, uh, independent learners yeah. with those genuine skills that they need, not only to be successful at school, which is, which is a big priority because that was part of the selling pitch, if you like, for other faculties is that these are the skills that they, yes. we, that they need to be successful at school, but not only that, successful after school, in business um, in, um, and in their lives. So I think we're very excited about this. And as, um, as Andrea suggested, the vision is now do what we're doing successfully mm. and then build momentum. And there's been a lot of talk and a lot of support for for maybe then getting iterations across the year levels and then building the program mm. as, as we go. Fantastic. Amazing. Graham. That yeah. It's really exciting. It's really exciting work. And I think I didn't ask this question, but mm. you know, it's, it's such, when, if we lift our gaze to, you know, 2040, mm. I know this is, you know, predicated on 2030 works. Another decade. What's going to happen? Well, None of us would say, would state the world is staying the same. It's mm. accelerating in some ways, mm. exponential technology. And so, of course, it's how do we, having inherited the current paradigms, the current mental models, which are often about academic success and the metrics that are there. You know, your point on ATAR, for example. Andrew, I think in 2040, we're having a very different conversation mm. about what an expanded understanding of success is. Mm. You know, it's learning for work, school and life. Yeah. Really. Yeah. As opposed to just, I was successful at school. Well, are you successful at life? Are you well as well as having a good grade? I mean, that's, I think, mm. what we're seeing the emergence of. Yeah. Um, wonderful narratives, team. Thank you mm -hmm. so much. Michael, close us out. What's some, what's some reflections from you? It's amazing. Well, I mean, you know, this very podcast, this very experience where schools are narrating their learning and progressions is exactly the model you know this is an artifact of learning mm. and and i think that it, it, the ways in which we can capture this kind of thing through digital portfolios narration of learning and you, you know really genuine kind of multi-dimensional you know outcomes for for students really speaks to what's important which is personalize it 
and then you have to deal with the diversity of it. Yeah. And if you're dealing with the diversity of it, it can't be linear. It can't be only the 8R kind of linear progression way, way through. Um, and in a way, what we need, I think, um, is some new kind of prototypical patterns of learning that can accommodate exponential nonlinear experience. So we go down to the granular level. What are the skills that in themselves have this exponential quality? Um, and we're seeing that find its way across, mm. you know, the learning cultures that we've experienced today. And I think that's that's the next step. We have more work to do. Um, and I think, you know, th th just as a final thing, learning impact for me is really key. What is the impact of learning? What do students recognise as the impact of learning? Yeah. And what can they say crucially about that impact and its potential for you know, their lives and the lives of others. That, mm. that, that for me is re really central in this. It's, yeah, it's kind of the core of everything, isn't it? Mm. What difference, do, who do we want to be? What difference do we want to make? E exactly. That's a question for us, mm. ultimately, as well as for the young people that, that we serve. Michael, thank you very much. Michael Bunce. Thank you. Uh, and thank you very much, Graham, Andrea, Mel, Jess, and Catherine for joining us for this conversation today. You're welcome. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you.